Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to New York City. Damn New it. York City. 1966, correct? Ah, I thought on the calendar it said 1965. It started in 1965, and then it, it they celebrate uh, New Year's of 1966. Mm -hmm. We are out of our comfort zone, listeners, doing a horror film. It is actually listed as a horror, horror <laughs> film. Not a horror film. Not horror. 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 Not horror. 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 Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Quite freaky at the time. Now, what we're going to try to do is cut down on the blow-by-blow blow of everything that happened, give the synopsis of the plot, and then give our gives and takes, as it were. <laughs> I like that. Our gives and takes. Our gives and takes. But, yeah, it's still the same thing. We're still going to spoil the hell out of this film. We're going to spoil the hell out of anything. If you're if you're listening and you're not expecting spoilers, then you're, you're on the wrong podcast. Yeah, we're look, we're telling you the movie, so you don't have to. There's a lot of stuff that you have to watch now. Your your Netflix is backed up. Your Amazon Prime is backed up. You're like the second season of Man in the High Castle is out. Where am I supposed to fit that into? Wait, it's the third season, darling. The third season? Yeah, well, I want to watch the second season. I, I can't keep track. And there's all these old movies that I never watched, and I have a job. Don't worry, we'll watch the old movies for you and tell you what happened. And. And still, some of them, because Aaron brings in the aesthetic of art, the art aesthetic-ness. And so, uh, you know, for things you want to watch anyway, you, hey, you don't have to be afraid of this one. We're going to spoil it for you. Exactly. Here we go. So we have a couple, a young couple. Well, wait. Looking... <laughs> oh, oh yeah. go ahead. I'm I sorry. Mean, I'm so what's wrong? Yeah, what's wrong with the particulars? Particulars, please, so I can drink. So, Rosemary's Baby takes place in 1965-66, released June 12th, 1968. Oh, 68, okay. Yes, and we'll get into that later. Okay. It is directed by Roman Polanski. Now, he's problematic, to say the least. You know, there are a lot of people who are in the, they're never going to watch Roman. They're never going to watch this movie because it was made by Roman Polanski. He's, right. he's been canceled by a lot of people. Yeah. So. So we watched it for you. Yeah. And you can listen to us because we haven't been canceled by anybody yet. Because no one's listening. That's the only <laughs> That's reason. It's the beauty. <laughs> All right. So he is a very famous director. He's of Polish descent. He is known for Knife in the Water, Chinatown, Frantic, and The Pianist. The Pianist, oh, okay. my piano player. No, I know what a pianist is. I wasn't going there. But I was thinking of The Piano. And then I was thinking of which one was... Uh, was Brody in the pianist? Was, that was the pianist. That was the pianist. Okay. Well, that was good. That was during World War. Hello. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but oh, I'm aware. 
It was good. Um, it's produced by William Castle. He directed a ton of movies. I was like, why? How has this guy directed so many movies? And I've never heard of any of them. It's because he was known for his low-budget horror films. There you go. That mm-hmm. that cuts us right out. Which, also, this is a Paramount Pictures joint. And at the time, Robert Evans was the head of Paramount Pictures. So he also had his hand in this film. And a great documentary that I cannot recommend enough. It's called The Kid Stays in the Picture. And it's about Robert Evans. I'm writing that down. It is great. I don't know how problematic it is now because it's over five years old. <laughs> and, you know, now every, things are changing. What yes, and as they fucking should. Yeah, as they fu- I'm not mad about it, but I'm just putting in that caveat. But it's, right. a, it's a fantastic movie. Okay. Okay. The screenplay is also by Roman Polanski. It is based on the book by Ira Levin. He is also known for writing A Kiss Before Dying, The Stepford Wives, and The Boys from Brazil. Dang. So he knows a thing or two about stories. He does indeed. And he's got some darkness going on. Yeah. Um, The director of photography is William A. Fracker. This guy shot a lot of movies. Listen to this. Buckle up. Bullet. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. (gasps) Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Heaven Can Wait. And Tombstone, just to name a few. Wow. This man had a career. Wow. I got goosebumps over that. That's a lot. And so diverse. Um, Yeah. The music is by Kiristikov Komedi. Exactly. I said it right? Exactly how I said it. Oh. (laughs) That doesn't. (laughs) Somebody's like, some Polish person's like, these two idiots. I apologize. (laughs) He is a Polish film composer and a jazz pianist. Um, Ah. Yeah, he died very young after hitting his head during a party play fighting with another Polish writer in Hollywood. Wow. Mm -hmm. Play fighting. Mm. It was play fighting, at least according to Roman Polanski's memoir. And I don't know how how much of that guy's word I'm going to... You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just, I mean, he can't come back into America because he did plead guilty to drugging and raping a 13-year-old. Well, at least he pled guilty. Yeah, so... I'm sorry, 13-year-old. And then his wife was Sharon T. I know. So there's that whole thing. And this was all. Wait, wait, wait. Question. uh Yes. Was that after this movie? Yes. Well, this movie was in (gasps) 1968 and the Manson murders in like 69. And there was said there might be a curse on the movie. 
Oh, well, we haven't gotten even... Let me get through the particulars. Just a spoiler. Just a spoiler. Okay, go ahead. Um, it was edited by Sam Osteen and Bob Wayman. Sam Osteen, he's another dude. This guy edited a ton of films. He worked on almost all of Mike Nichols' films. Oh, I like him then. He edited uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Cool Hand Luke, <gasps> The Graduate, Chinatown. Again, just to name a few. So what a career. Career. I always like to, um, these guys that with these older movies and they have like the editors and the DPs and you see like, oh, Virginia Woolf, Cool Hand Luke. And then when you get to like their career in the 80s, it's like Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you know, good for you. You're still making money. Cash still them working. checks. Yeah. All right. It was the release date we already said was June 12th, 1968. And then I was, because I was like, 1968, like, shit was popping off in 1968. It was, uh, I lived through it. What a tumultuous year. And I was like, June 1968, I think there was an assassination. Well, in 68, there were several. Yes, but I know my 68 assassination months. June is Robert F. Kennedy's. So sad. June 6th, to be precise. So so six days after that happened, this movie came out. Because we'd all gone to the devil. And do you want to know something? I did a little... I went down this side rabbit hole of in Wikipedia... As one does. June 6th. They And then they are not June 6th. June 12th. The date that this was released. But then they have all of the different. Like what happened on all the different June 12th. That have existed. And yeah. that was like a lot. But then I just looked at just what happened in the 60s. Before this movie was released. On June 12th. And I was like that is interesting. June 12th. 1963. Medgar Evers was murdered. There you go. June 12th, 1964. Nelson Mandela was sentenced to life for sabotage in South Africa. Wow. June 12th, 1967. Loving First Virginia was like in the Supreme Court. Like the Supreme Court said, hey, you two races, you are allowed to get married. Thank you for that. Made me legal. Made you legal. You are not born a crime. I'm not. Well, as of right now, we'll wait to see if that gets overturned. That's true, too. I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, wow, the 60s and June 12th. Yeah, the 60s. Okay. Oh, Uh, wait. The cast. The cast. What a ramshackle show we are putting on for the people today. Because we're doing it a little differently. Yeah, we're trying new. Mia Farrow. She's uh, Rosemary. At this time, she was still married to Frank. Well, we'll get so into not, okay, that. Okay, that's, that's later. Pey- she was known for Peyton Place. Yeah. Now, do you remember that? It was like a soap opera. I kind of wasn't allowed to watch it. It was too steamy. Too steamy. Wow. She was also in The Great Gatsby. Yes, she was. She is mother of Ronan. You don't want him writing about you, Pharaoh. You know, because 
when he writes an article about you, you've obviously done horrible things to women. There you go. And her father was John Farrow. He wrote Around the World in 80 Days. He was a director and writer in Hollywood. And Maureen O'Sullivan, who is best known as Jane in the Tarzan movies. What was she in this? No, she wasn't in this. Those are her parents, Mia Farrow's parents. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. She was Jane's daughter. Yeah. Maureen O'Sullivan. Like, Maureen O'Sullivan is known mostly as being, you know, Jane and Tarzan, but you go on her Wikipedia and, yeah, yeah, she was a star. She was. She was putting in steady work. Yep. Um, John Cassavetes, he was in the Dirty Dozens. If it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium. Really? Mm-hmm. And he was a director. He was very well known. Like, he's basically the pioneer of the American independent cinema movement. Well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. He was in, like, in the 70s and stuff. Everybody. Because everybody there were was. a lot of people considered for his part. Mm-hmm. But he was able to finance his independent movies through his acting roles. Ah. Mm-hmm. As a director, he directed Faces, Husbands, Gloria. He was married to uh, Jenna Rollins. His children really? also direct Nick Cassavetes. I think Nick Cassavetes directed The Notebook, but I'm not sure. Mm, bane of my existence. The Notebook? <laughs> yeah. Go on. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, one, I'm probably the only person in the world who does not like that movie i've never and seen Nicholas that Sparks, movie. i didn't like the book <laughs> Man, what a hot, what a hot take i know that people are always like love the movie like when i worked at the video store this guy would always recommend it yeah and i've only seen parts of it when it would be on tv and i was yeah. like eh. yeah um yeah went through that and ruth gordon <laughs> hello Ruth Gordon was in Harold and Maude and Every yes. Which Way But Loose. Yep. Inside Daisy Clover. Um, she co-wrote in 1949 the Hepburn Tracy movie Adam's Rib. I did not know that. Uh-huh. She hosted Saturday Night Live in 1977. I'm going to have to look for that one. I like Ruth Gordon. Yeah, she's a character. Oh, she's a pistol. She's a pistol. And Charles Grodin. Was this like his, it wasn't maybe his first role, but it was like a role that really brought him recognition is my understanding. He, well, he was in The Heartbreak Kid, Catch-22, The Women in Red, Midnight Run, and the Beethoven franchise. Oh, hello. Well, it gave some people some money. Yes. All right. There are the particulars. Okay, so we are in New York City, and we have a housewife whose name is Rosemary, and we have an aspiring filmmaker slash actor, and they're married to each other, and they're looking for an apartment in Manhattan, which can you just imagine? Now, at this time, there was still rent control. And there was an apartment in an old, old apartment building They had taken big apartments and sliced them up into smaller ones. But this was still a really cool one with the old fireplaces and such. And 
they were, it was a little bit of money, but they were going to be able to make it, uh, they were going to be able to do it because the woman who lived there had um, died very recently. She'd been in a coma and then died. So they were able to get the apartment, which never happens anymore. Okay, so um, then uh, Rosemary uh, is just sweet as pie. And she talks a lot like Holly Golightly. Oh, yeah, it's a very, um, yeah, not a lot of bass in that voice. Yeah, a lot of airiness. And um, so she's talking to who I thought was her old landlord, but it's a uh, an older man, Hutch, who is like a father figure he to her. He is the old landlord. Okay, he was the old landlord. Because I had to stop the movie in the scene where they have Hutch because he's baking dinner for them. He takes out a glorious piece of meat with a bone in it. It looked like a leg of lamb. It was a leg of lamb, and it looked delicious. And he was cooking all this food for them. And I I said, I even wrote down, why the F are they leaving this guy? (laughs) He makes a leg of lamb? And then I I was, yeah, I had to pause it and rewind because I was missing what they were talking about. Right, because it was. I mean, the leg of lamb was, you're focused on that. You didn't focus on the dialogue. It was so succulent. And it's obvious Hutch knows his way around the kitchen. Um, He's obviously such a foodie. And by this time, we had already gone into the, to see the whole, the the new apartment. And that, that place looked creepy. And the creepy thing was that there was, uh, at the end of a hallway, there was a big, they called it a secretary. It was like a piece of antique furniture, but it wasn't a secretary. A secretary is like a desk. This was like a high boy or a tall boy, a huge <laughs> chest of drawers that was pushed in front of uh, the linen closet. Yeah. And so right away you go, well, I said rut row when I just don't like that. I I don't like I was like, do I not like vintage things? And so I hit pause. It was rather Victorian. I well that's like vintage. I've realized that I really only like vintage from nineteen forty five onward. Like nineteen forty five is the oldest I wanna go. And 1925 to 1945 is its probationary. I, there might be something cool that I would take. Anything before 1925, I don't want any part of it. It's freaky. So, so you don't want the, the blanket chest and the secretary that I have in my house at this time? Well, no, that stuff, because that's part, that's like within the family. I'm talking right, about okay. like when you would go to like, those what are they called flea markets flea and stuff markets. and yeah. like how this that house that house it just looked just freaky it looked like old and mildewy and haunted i know it's rosemary's baby and i know it was already planted in my head but i was looking and i'm like no 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 i don't want to well, live it here. was quite dark and she did say you know white walls and white wallpaper why would you Anyway, wallpaper is the bane of my existence. But moving on, she was going to brighten it up and such. So they decide they're going to take it because it's close to Broadway. And 
Then Hutch, who is serving this magnificent dinner, is telling them about this building where they're going to be living and how it has a reputation for weirdness. Like the Trench sisters who lived there, they were known to uh, cook and eat several young children. Excuse me? There... And Keith Kennedy, Ooh. he was called Black Bradford. And then there was this guy named Mercado who um, conjured up the devil. And then in 1959, which was only like six years past from where they, they are currently, there was a dead infant found in the basement. Excuse but, me, did you say that sisters ate children in this building? Yes. <laughs> infant children. I'm sorry. Cooked them and ate them. They didn't eat them raw. Cooked them and ate ba Sisters cooked and ate babies in this building. Are No, thank you. <laughs> and so they moved in. We'll take it. And um, they their apartment had originally been an apart uh, a, a huge apartment, and they divide they put a wall in it to divide it, and they can hear their neighbors. Now at this point, Aaron, they had there were lots of leg shots, low sh camera angles. Why? <laughs> um, what like do you know the specific scene? Because you had told me before, and I didn't they didn't jump out at me. Oh, like, well, what scene was it? Well, it when was they when moved, they were, were in? Uh, they had moved in. So they had already seen that the high they moved the high boy back so they could open that closet. And she gets out the shelves because the shelves had been taken out of this closet and left um, inside the closet. And she said, oh, my gosh, there are shelves. I, I can use this as a linen closet. So the shelves had been removed, but then the previous tenant, an old woman, had had by herself moved that high boy, which was a huge, heavy piece of furniture to put in front of that closet. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so we have people coming in doing uh, rest, uh, like wallpaper and painting. And uh, Rosemary goes down into the basement and she meets Teresa, Teresa is a girl, she was a drug addict, and and she was a sex worker and able to be able to get her drugs. And the Cassavettes, uh, the neighbors of Rosemary, have taken her in and um, been so good to her. And she has this silver charm around her, her neck that's supposed to bring her good luck, and it has a really foul-smelling herb inside. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Rosemary and Guy, that's her husband, their last name is Woodhouse. They're out for the evening. They come back and they find Teresa splat on the sidewalk. Yeah. They just walk up to that. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. Like, did she like kill herself or what, what happened? Well, I didn't it know that it was Teresa because they kind of did like her eyeball was all weird. And the only thing that I noticed was the necklace. They were yes. supposed to bring her luck, and I was just like... Not so much. You you all heard that, that sisters cooked and ate children in this building, right? <laughs> this sounds about right. 
So this is when they meet the Cassavettes. And this is Ruth Gordon, who's Minnie. Oh, my and gosh. some dude who is Roman. Anybody named Roman, I am not is sure. Is Roman wearing red and white seersucker suit? Uh, it looked pink and white to me. It, a pink and white seersucker suit. It was summertime. It was hot. <laughs> I do like me some seersucker when it's hot. I didn't know that it came in pink and white. Mm. Seersucker can come in everything. Yellow, white, blue, white. Ooh. So anyway, uh, they go to sleep and th there are shadows. As they're sleeping, there are shadows in their apartment. Okay. So then... Um, Mrs. Cassavetes becomes friends with Mia Farrow, and she's a nosy, nosy, nosy woman. She's asking about does she d does uh, Mia Farrow Rosemary want to get pregnant? Yes, we're gonna try to have a baby, and um, so again, there were low camera angles going on. Huh. Okay. So. Um. Maybe it was to, oh, I have an idea. I have a theory just Go. pulling it out of my butt. Maybe Boy. the low angles were to be like, this is Satan's point of view. Get down here with Satan. Oh. Because remember at the, be the beginning of the movie, the whole opening of Mia Farrow seeing that creepy lullaby. Is, oh, that was really it's, weird. It's from above. It's she New was York. doing a lot of yeah, yeah. Not any of them. I, yeah, I was like, I, I was texted you. I was like, are you sure I can watch this movie at night? I am But you were fine, out. weren't you? Yeah, I was fine. Okay, so they, the Kassavets invite the Woodhouses to dinner. And Guy, yeah. is a, Guy is a standoffish. He doesn't want any of this, anything to do with them. Because he knows these are old people. They're going to latch on. They're going to... They're going to suck the life right out of you because they got nothing else. Mm -hmm. We're going to pause there for a moment. Okay. So they cook a, a good dinner for them. And then the women of course oh, are wait, doing wait, the... wait. No, it was not a good dinner. She couldn't cut through the steak. No, she had a really rare steak. Oh, she had a rare steak? Everyone else had good food? Well, I don't... Everybody else ate their food. I would have eaten and it looked perfectly fine to me. Oh, because I thought the steak that knives her... were from Safeway and they <laughs> suck. I thought that it like, yeah, this their old friend, he cooked like a lamb and was a fantastic cook. The meat was falling off the bone. They come here, this old broad with blue eyeshadow. I'm like, is this where the blue eyeshadow and old people started? Because wow. Her makeup in this is crazy. That's how it, that's how it looked in the 60s, really. I was like, it oh, was my ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This it looks so much different when J-Lo pulls this off. I didn't use blue so much. I used green. Just so you know. Wow. OK, so they were having dinner and um, a guy and Roman are spending a lot of time in the living room. But in the 60s, that's how it was. After dinner, the women went and cleaned up and the men went and sat on their ass. Well, now, tell what really happened in that scene. Um, Ro Roman, Roman um, gets on 
guy's good side because he mentions a move that he did in the play. He was like, I saw you when you were in, it was some play and you did this move. There was this move that you did and I had to look you up in the playbill to see who is that young actor because that move, that gesture, this man knows how to act. And so then Guy was like, what? Oh yeah, it was this, was it this move? And he's, and then he gets all actorly. All, he just buttered him up right there. He was done. He was toasted, buttered, and eaten. Son, you just got worked. And, um, and Minnie actually gives Rosemary a charm necklace just like, <gasps> Teresa had. Dun, dun, dun. And inside is tannis root, which <sighs> smells nasty, but it's supposed to give you good luck. So she took it, but then she took it off and put it away because it smelled nasty. I wonder if I was like, does she? Does it smell like Tom's deodorant? Probably. Well, not like you smell after using Tom's deodorant. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think this is a good smell. <laughs> Okay, so the next day, um, um, Rosemary's reading. She has easy listening music on. And, um, okay, so that's when she gets the charm. And the next day after that, Guy answers the phone and, oh, my gosh, Donald Bumgard, who had gotten the part that he wanted, um, but he didn't get has gone blind and now guy gets the part wow okay so everything is working out for guy suddenly he's hot he's a hot commodity hot hot so now uh, now we have rosemary talking to hutch and he is um he's he's worried about her and um then they're there are roses all over their apartment because all of a sudden guy is really wanting to have a baby before he was like, "Eh, let's wait till my career takes off. Well, now he's hot. He wants to have a baby. They have a calendar on the wall and circled on the calendar are the days that, that are really good for her to conceive. Mm. Well, so they have a, a good dinner is it like an anniversary or something? It seems no. like a special. Yeah, this is their, their baby-making day. Oh, okay. Okay, that's why it's special. And there's a knock on the door. And just like Guy predicted, these old people are sucking the life out of them. She has two uh, coffee mugs of chocolate mousse for them to enjoy for dessert. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, uh, Mia Farrow goes, you know, this tastes, it has an aftertaste. And he's going, it's really good. Keep eating it. It's really good. Eat it up. So she eats some, but then she dumps most of it in her napkin. Well, and, and he doesn't say eat it up. He said, he says, eat it up. He says, she slaved all day over this to make this for you. The least you can do is eat it. And he also says, why do you always have to make everything so difficult? And it's like, this was the guy who did not want these old people in their lives. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, she slaved all day, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, she's not here. She ate. She took. She tasted it. She ate a few bites. She said there was a chalky aftertaste to it. At this point, because of the earlier scene with the steak, that I thought that she was a bad cook. And so at this point, I'm like, yeah, she's one. 
Does everybody at least know somebody who says in their mind they think that they know how to cook and every time you have something that they've cooked, there's always been something like you're like, like you either find a hair in it or hitting a little too close. No, this has nothing to do with you. Oh, this was an ex-wife of one of my friends. She was like, she baked me a cake one time and nothing. It was denser than a brick. (laughs) Thank goodness she's not in the picture anymore. She's sure not listening to this. (laughs) That's why I'm telling this. You made fried rice and I thought she was trying to poison us because she made it out of lemon pledge. Because it was, it had so much of that lemon taste. She made like these Asian roll ups and it just had like a huge, like super long hair in it. Oh, yeah. But she, you know, but to her, she was a chef. (laughs) And everything that I ever tried from her, I was like, God, how did she mess this up? Yeah. So that's who I thought their Ruth was, was that oh, okay. lady. Well, there, there are those people. Yeah. And I agree. Everybody has to have somebody like that in their lives. Yeah, where you're just like, oh. And so you, so I thought Ruth was being polite. And I was like, why is Guy forcing her to eat this? Ruth is not here. They're going to deliver the empty washed bowls. No one's the wiser. Why is he forcing her to? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So this is, what, this is a f- pretty freaky scene. She gets really dizzy and she practically collapses and he puts her in bed. But so she's having like a psychedelic dream sequence thing going on. Um, The Pope had been on TV because he was at Yankee Stadium and, uh, and there's a really loud clock ticking. There's a lot of weird stuff in it. There's a lot there's of, a sailor. of that clock ticking. And he undresses her. And, and then, like, a guy is making love to her with devil hands. And um, well, it's not Jackie guy. Onassis is in her dream. Huh. And um, there are a lot of naked people around. And there and are people that are they're tying her arms and wrists down. Uh, Right, and she was raped. Yeah. Mr. Cosby, she, it's called rape. She was raped, but she was, I mean, in the in the book, you don't know. In the movie, right. you see, she was raped by Satan. She was. She was raped by Satan. And at one point, she says, this is not a dream. This is really happening. And somebody, one of the people surrounding the bed says, oh, my gosh, she did. she's not out enough. Because, remember, she didn't eat that full chocolate mousse. Uh-huh. So you now know, okay, she's carrying the devil's child. Well, yes, she, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, she is, Pragers. She even tells Guy that she had a dream that someone unhuman was raping her. Well, when she wakes up, she wakes up in the bed and her side is all scratched up. And she's like, what is this? And Guy says, oh, I had a, he's like, I I cut my, I cut my fingernails. I cut my fingernails. I just had a strained nail. And she was like, you had your way with me, sir? When I was passed out? And then Guy's like, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was kind of like a necrophilia thing. And I was like, what? Yeah. 
that was her that was her 15th clue to get out i was like excuse me well she goes to see dr hill and she finds out she's pregnant dr hill is charles grogan grodin grodin and um and right away, uh, she goes home and tells Guy, and right away he wants to tell Minnie and Roman, which, you know, this was the guy who didn't want, anyway. Yeah. And he they say, oh, no, no, you can't see Dr. Hill. You have to see Dr. Sapperstein. And um, so he he says, okay, I don't want you taking the vitamins that the other doctor prescribed. All I want is for you to use drink Minnie's drink in the morning. She uses fresh herbs in it. Be sure to drink. Minnie's drink every morning. Well, and he also says every pregnancy is unique. So I don't want you listening to what anyone else says. I don't want you reading any books. (laughs) I don't want you listening to any of your friends. Burn any prenatal books you may have. Yeah. None of that. Don't listen to anybody. I don't want you taking any vitamins. The only thing that I want you to do is take the herbs by the weird ass lady that lives next door to you. Right. Well, Rosemary, from the very beginning of this pregnancy, has really strong, hard pains in her stomach. And she's really worried about them. Uh, At some point, she finds herself eating raw liver. And then she looks in the in the reflection of the toaster and realizes oh my god and and throws up what have i become and then she sees hutch and he's going what is wrong with you because she looked bad she's got, i she's mean like women who were newly pale. pregnant i lost 10 pounds in one week with aaron from throwing up you're welcome but then um but then after that you you come back and you start to gain weight and you start to look good she looked bad and she had cut all her hair off because so she went she to vidal yeah from vidal sassoon right vidal sassoon well um hutch comes to visit and when he leaves he realizes he's missing a glove and um he's concerned about her and, and he goes oh i'm sure it'll turn up and right away I wrote, Hutch is going to die. Well, we knew that Hutch was going to die when he comes over and he sees what. Honestly, we knew Hutch was going to die when he told us about all the bad shit that happened in that building and was That's telling true. them not to go. I'm like, Hutch, my man, that clicking, that clicking clock. That's Hutch time. And it's running out. And Hutch had made an appointment with Rosemary to meet in front of the Time Life building the next morning. And she goes there and he doesn't show up. Well, she decides to plan a party for her old friends, uh, the, the, her, her old young friends. Nobody Be- under 50 is allowed to attend this party. Because when you have shooting abdominal pains and you are just looking and feeling horrible... What is the one thing that you would like to do? I'm telling you, it wasn't me. <laughs> I could not have planned a party. I'm going to plan and throw a party, guys. <laughs> okay. So she's having these pains and her girlfriends are in with her going, "What? Is- no, you need to read this book and you need to go back to Dr. Hill. And, and all of a sudden, the pain is gone and she is happy. 
Well, she's getting so they do. They have like an intervention with her. They say, "Honey, how long has this pain been happening?" And she's like, "Since November." And they say, "What? That's your body trying to tell you something." And wrong. yeah, and Guy tries to get in, and they they leave Guy out, and they're like, "What's going on?" So then she breaks down. So then the party's over. It's just her and Guy. They're having an argument because she wants to go and get a second opinion from the Groden doctor. And they're like yelling and stuff. And then all of a sudden she stops and the pain is gone. Miraculously. Mm. Well, so she goes back to drinking Minnie's drinks and she's getting the, the nursery together. Everything is good. And then she gets a phone call that Hutch has died. But he left. She goes to the funeral and he left her a book. And the book was called All of Them Witches. And the person who gives it to her says, the title is an, uh, no, the name, name is, is an, an anagram. anagram. So she gets out her Scrabble tiles and tries to figure out what all of them witches is. And then she realizes name. It was the author. And the author's name becomes Adrian no, Mercado. It's not the author's name. It's the, it's, there was an. Roman Castavet becomes Adrian Mercado. Yeah, but Mercado Adrian was Mercado was a freaky guy who conjured the devil back in the apartment before. Remember? Yeah, okay. but he wasn't the author of the book. He was in the book. Oh, that's right. The dude was the in the book. He had turned down a page on them. Yeah, and there was right. a picture and the names were underlined. Right. So so she has locked bolted the door. She has the chain on the door. She's not letting Guy in anymore. Um, and she, she decides to uh, go to her old doctor again, Dr. Hill. And um, Actually, her husband, Guy, takes the book and throws it in the garbage. Says, this is just garbage. It's just worrying you. Don't worry about it. So she is like in a trance in traffic, walking through traffic because somebody told her that nobody would kill a, you know, hit a pregnant lady. She takes the charm with the tannis root, drops it in a grate. She finds an old bookstore and gets her copy of All of Them Witches Back and another book about witchcraft which she reads and she finds out that to cast a spell, you need a personal um, object that belonged to someone. And she realizes Hutch's glove was what they used so that he would die. And then she, um, she goes to Dr. Hill and she gets, uh, she tells Dr. Hill, she has to see him. She goes in and tells him the whole story. And he's like, Okay, I, I believe you. I do. Now, I, I need you to rest right now. Lay down here and rest. And when you wake up, we're going to have this all figured out. And when she woke up, what happened, Aaron? Well, when she woke, because she was talking to him and she said the doctor that she was going to, what was his name? Spine or something? Saperstein. Saperstein. And he was like, oh, Saperstein. And so when she wakes up, Saperstein and Guy come through the door because her doctor, old uh, Grodin, he thought that, you know, 
oh, this poor little woman just has her hysterics. Right. And so, and he know he knew Saperstein because Saperstein is a legend. So he's, you know, Saperstein is a well-renowned colleague. So he was like, Saperstein would never do something like this. Right. So right. he calls them. And so then the well, two plus, the here's a woman in 1965, 66 at this point, saying, yeah, I've been, I've, they're going to take my baby. These witches are going to take my baby and use them in some kind of a, a, a ritual. Who's going to believe that? And she already cut off all her hair. So... Yeah. So, um, Dr. Hill appears to believe her and, um, Dr. But he, he doesn't, he goes and kills, calls Saperstein and guy <laughs> and they, they go, if you don't get yourself together, they're going to send you to a mental hospital. So they take her home and she's going into labor and she goes into labor, labor and she blacks out. And when she comes to, Guy is there, and she says, it, is, it, is it all right? Is it all right? She knows she's had her baby. It, it, it's a boy, and the boy is asleep. Now it's time for you to go to back to sleep. She hears a clock ticking. I thought, she, okay, go ahead. What? Because I thought they told her. they. Do they <gasps> no, they told her the baby died. Yeah. The baby That's wasn't right. asleep. They were like, it was a boy. It didn't make it. Right, go back oh, to but sleep. Go back it's the only sleep. way you can cope with this. Dr. Saperstein's going to shoot you up with more things to make you cope. But then um, she hears she hears a baby crying. Mm -hmm. And she, she really feels like the doctor and Guy are both lying to her. Because she knows that they were going to take her baby and do something witchcrafty with it. Well, yeah, because she when she, she read in the book about the covens and their all of their um, what is it called? Their like their things, their rituals, and how they need babies' blood to do it and stuff. And um, and guy was just saying, you just have the postpartum crazies, and and she's going, no, show me your shoulders because I know that. If you have joined the coven, you have a mark on your shoulders. And he doesn't have a mark on either of her shoulders. So now she's going, oh, well, maybe I am crazy. And she's pumping her milk and they're taking her milk away because, of course, the Cassavettes are helping her out and all the Cassavette friends. Weird, yeah, this weird Cassavette friend who was like, if this movie was made in 1994, would have been Rosie O'Donnell. Or Kathy Bates. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets up and, you know, she is in a drug stupor and um, she's not taking the pills that they're giving her because she knows she needs a little bit of her wits about her. And she goes to the linen closet and she looks through the keyhole and I don't remember what she sees through the keyhole. And Guy comes home and he's just getting some ice and he goes out again. So she goes back to the closet with a knife and she finds the way to open the back of the closet to get into the Cassavette's apartment. And there are all these people around who previously, the last time she saw them, had been naked. And in the living room is a black cradle with black veil all over it. And an upside down cross. An upside down cross, and she goes to look 
in the cradle and she goes, ah, 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 what have you done to it? And, um, and she goes, I thought I would see some of Guy in it. And they go, Satan is his father. <laughs> see, all this time she thought she was giving birth to Guy's baby. And then the witches were going to take the baby. She doesn't realize that she is giving birth to a new Satan. Satan. And Satan they, Jr. They've decided his name is Adrian. I was like, I thought it had to be Damien or something. Adrian. That Adrian, I don't know why, because she wanted to call him Andrew, Andy. And Guy comes to Rosemary, and he says, they promised they you wouldn't be hurt by this. And she spits in his face. <laughs> and the baby is crying, and this, this Kathy Bates, Rosie O'Donnell person is rocking the cradle way too hard. And she goes over and says, you're rocking it too hard, and... So then it's obvious she's going to become the mother well, of the Well, yeah, the, the dude with the anagram name was said, listen, Rosemary, in this creepy way that he talks, you don't have to join us. We're not asking you to, to join us if you don't want to. All we're asking is to be a mother to your son. Just do what a woman does and be a mother to your son. Okay, so he has really weird hands and feet and probably a tail eyes look like snake eyes and he's kind of a red color but just ignore all that it's fine look past Let your maternal it. instincts flow yeah and what does she do she goes over and rocks the cradle starts gently rocking the cradle so so we don't see the demon baby do we need I was, to? I was. What? I said, do we need to? No. It's because, as with whatever else we did, your imagination makes it worse than anything that could really be shown. Mm hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I, that was a newborn baby. So, right off the bat, 80% chance that thing's hideous. So, right there. Throw in. That it's the spawn of the devil? Ugh, no thank you. Yeah. So that was Rosemary's baby. We hope we we hope we were more concise with the uh, the telling. When Rose when Mia Farrow was doing the eating the raw liver, she really, really in real life ate raw liver for that scene. And she's a vegetarian. She did a lot for this movie because her taking this movie... Well, first of all, Roman Polanski always viewed Rosemary as a full-figured... More of a full-figured woman. So he envisioned Tuesday Weld. Or he also envisioned his girlfriend, Sharon Tate. Yeah, because Tuesday Weld was not full-figured, but anybody next to Mia Farrow yeah. was full-figured. And then Robert Evans was like, I don't know how many people are... like." The book kind of just came out. I don't know how many people are going to know Rose, like go to see this movie based on the name alone. We need we need a name in this role. Yeah. And Mia Farrow hadn't really done any movies, but she had done Peyton Place and that was a bit of a big deal. It was wildly successful. And she was married to Frank freaking Sinatra. Yeah. 
So this, this this movie was the end of their marriage. Right. Though, yeah? Because when they got married, Frank Sinatra was like, yo, babe, you're going to quit your working and rest your pretty little head and not not do your your thing. And then she was like, yeah. And then they said, hey, do you want to be in this movie? And she's like, I would love to play this part. And Frank Sinatra was like, whoa, 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 babe, we had a deal here. I don't want you. I, I don't want you going out working. What is this? I don't want you being all around all these other men and stuff. No, 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 no. And then he had his corporate lawyer on set in front of cast and crew deliver divorce papers. Yeah, because that's a, a kind and caring husband. Mm-hmm. And then and then she was like, Roman, I, I think I got to leave this movie because it's wrecking my marriage. And Roman was like, um... No, you can't. Trust me. You're going to get an Academy Award nomination. And Well, he said you're going to get an Academy Award. Oh. I thought it was a nomination. Did, did she Well, she did get a nomination, but oh, she didn't get the Oh, it award. was the award. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tony Curtis was considered for the Donald Baumgart, the guy who goes blind. He was the voice on the telephone when she calls him. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah. Never mind. Oh. The apartment building was the, the real name of the apartment building was the Dakota, which is where John Lennon was shot. Yeah. I, that's what I thought when they did the pan and I, and I was looking at it. I'm like, isn't that that building where John Lennon was shot? And then there were there were tie-ins with John Lennon and the Beatles, and but I I let that go. Uh, Tannis Root doesn't exist. Ah, yeah, there is no such thing. Burt Reynolds tested to play Guy Woodhouse. Really? And also, people wanted Robert Redford to be Guy Woodhouse. Yeah, he turned down the part. And something happened with Jack Nicholson as well. They what I read was that Jack Nicholson was just too freaky looking to be guy. You'd know at the very first time you saw him. This motherfucker's up to was, something. Yeah, that he was he was he was siding with the devil. And Tuesday Weld and Jane Fonda were considered to be Rosemary. Interesting. Now what they did do was um it was the baby was born was supposed to was due June twenty eighth of nineteen sixty six. Oh, which so there's June, a there's a great line. I wrote down one of my favorite lines. The woman says, "You're smart to get it over with before August," meaning the pregnancy. Yes, <laughs> yes which is true. But that meant that it was six sixty six six three sixes. Which oh, is, yeah, yeah, the devil. Six, so, six, what was your favorite part? My favorite part. My favorite part was probably just Ruth Gordon and yeah. her being so nosy. Like she was nosy, but she was nosy in such a way that, I mean, I didn't have to deal with her. I just really liked watching her. I liked the way I, she talks, her voice, and her and her accent. You know who she reminds me of, like. I was I, I when I see these movies I always kind of like to picture like well who current would I see playing this role and although they're way too young I don't know there was just something that reminded me of uh, Kristen Bell. 
oh my god Kristen Bell could totally right because ju- that's just kind of like how she is in oh the, what's that show the good place the good place yeah if she was just like amped it up a little bit more that's how because she has that twinkle in her eye and yeah. Ruth Gordon always had that twinkle in her eye and just the way that she like delivered her lines and stuff it's almost as if well she's playing a character and we all know that person but like so the real person that she's playing is is just that person that they're just they're so flighty and just you know they're like what's going on in their heads because they are and it appears that nothing is like it appears that you know it's like attention deficit she's going from item to item to item but really she has an underlying thing that she's trying to get covered yeah Uh, okay i do remember my favorite scene so my favorite scene is when I forget what it is in the movie, but I know it's Ruth and the the, the Kathy Bates, Rosie O'Donnell character, sidekick character. They come into her apartment. Um, what's her face? Rosemary has put on a record and she's, I, I forget what she's doing. I think she's like doing her house stuff. And she puts on the record and those two, they come in. She doesn't want them to come in. They come in, they sit down and they proceed to take out their knitting needles and they both just start knitting in her house. Yeah, clack, 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 yeah. clack, clack. And just talking yeah. and stuff. I was like, geez, these bras just came in and made themselves at home. Because when somebody takes out their knitting, they're not planning on getting yeah. up and walking out anytime soon. They are sitting there for a bit. Yeah. So My favorite scene was, uh, you saw it coming, but when uh, Dr. Hill brings back the the doctor and the husband because ah. she's because she thought that he was actually believing her and no pretty much not nope nope so what didn't you like uh, what didn't i like uh, i'll let you ponder on that while i tell you what i didn't okay like. i didn't i didn't like john cassavetes mm. I just, I just didn't see the chemistry between them. Yeah, but she, he had to be, he had to be kind of distant because if he were a likable uh, person, you wouldn't buy him actually going, okay, go ahead and take our kid and do what you have to do so that I can be famous. Well, are you saying you didn't like his I didn't like John Cassavetes as that character. Oh, so, you, okay, you didn't like his performance. I didn't buy him being, yeah, being that character. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I see that. I I don't I just think that's a, it's a tough, it, it's, it's, it's a tough role to be in. Because, yeah, because he was going to be unlikable. Yeah, I mean... He did let the devil have his way with his wife. <laughs> yeah, he basically... He sold his wife to the devil. I guess I would say what I didn't... I didn't really like... Um... Uh, what did... I, I didn't really like that. I guess I kind of had a problem with Mia Farrow. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like how... But then I then I wonder is my problem with her her or is my problem with her society? <laughs> yes, where where society is now. Yeah, because she was, she was so subservient. Yeah, and so 
But it was 66. She would have been that subservient. Yeah, but her, her voice just didn't have any bass to it. She was yeah, just so... but that was part of the... Um, the she was just fluff. Yeah, and, and also... Okay, here's the thing that I, I didn't like about it. Is that th- this guy... <laughs> this guy character... Guy? This guy, he's an actor, but he's only been in two plays. He has a and commercial... commercials. He did commercials and a movie and they're able to afford this place and she she doesn't have a job. Like, the, he is an actor and they're able to live off of that. Okay, so this is what, this is my take on that. Was, remember uh, Wilbur Milktoast who was showing them the apartment in the beginning? Yes. And she said, I wish you could cut some money off. And he said, I wish I could make this apartment a lot higher. I thought that the it was rent controlled, but it's possible somehow <coughs> the Cassavettes knew that this couple was looking for the apartment because it was said that they had the woman who lived there. She died because they wanted the apartment available. Um, the reason they had Teresa was because they needed a baby. They needed someone who could conceive a baby. Well, yeah, Teresa was because she, I I thought that she was taken out of the game because she couldn't have a kid for whatever it, reason. Exactly. Exactly. She, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's possible that she had actually had a few dates with the devil and nothing ever happened. <laughs> it's like the devil just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, yeah, that's why she was taken out. And then they found this couple and they're going, okay, well, these are her, I mean, could you be more obvious circling the dates when you're ovulating on your calendar? So but doesn't I felt the devil like, know this already. <laughs> I felt like the price of the apartment was based on the fact that they wanted them to move in. Yeah. And the devil really has to go to all of this. I saw the devil's advocate. I saw when when Al Pacino played the devil. There wasn't a whole big bunch of rigmarole. I thought he's the devil. He has to have these people go into all of this to give him a kid. Yeah, really. I was just like, uh, yeah. So, what was your uh, best? I guess we already did best character. Did we? Ruth Gordon. Yeah. She's yeah, she's definitely the best. Oh, in the scene where um what's her face is in the telephone booth calling yes. for the other doctors, there's a guy standing outside of it. That uh-huh. is the producer that that was always doing the horror movies. Oh, okay. They said he had a cameo, yeah. but I didn't know where. That was him. Okay. Um so um, yeah, the Dakota were the exteriors, but they couldn't shoot inside. Right. The themes of it is paranoia, women's liberation, Christianity, and the occult. Oh, interesting tidbit. The birth control pill came out a year before in 1967. A year after. Well, no, the movie well, was released. before the movie in, came out. Got yeah. It. Well, um, Ruth Gordon won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress and the Golden Globe. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, for the Golden Globes, Mia Farrow was nominated and uh, 
Best Original Score was nominated, and Roman Polanski for Screenplay just nominated. They didn't win. And uh, Roman Polanski was nominated for the Oscars for writing, but he didn't win. Who did Mia Farrow lose to? I'm thinking probably uh, Funny Girl was up at the same time. Or so I'm was it? She lost to Barbara Streisand. Or was if it was 1968? What about what's her face? What? Um, Kate Hepburn. Well, let me do some research. All righty then. Hmm. Oh, the POC count. So I had three. I had three, but then I also was looking at the workers in the apartment building, and I said, I wonder if they are of Latin heritage. Catherine Hepburn did win in 1968. Guess who's coming to dinner, a previously done movie. I, I thought so. I thought she won because remember she had the tearful scene and we're like, that's what won her the Oscar right yeah, there. You're right. You're right. Okay, well, that's my Rosemary's Baby, my first ever horror film. Oh, wait, I had um a little bit of trivia. The scene where... Mia Farrow walks in front of traffic. Uh-huh. It was spontaneous and genuine. This is according to the Amazon Prime app. Roman Polanski is reported to have told her that, quote, nobody will hit a pregnant woman. The scene was su- successfully shot with Farrow walking into real traffic and Polanski following, operating the handheld camera since he was the only one willing to do it. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Talk about not worrying about the safety of your actors well i mean this you know what this is interesting this movie is interesting because it deals with you know uh rosemary was roofied and raped yeah which roman polanski pleaded guilty to doing so okay it was based on the book ira levin felt that the film is quote, the single most faithful adaptation of a novel ever to come out of Hollywood. I read that many people, because Roman Polanski didn't know that he could change anything. Ah, that's funny. So he stuck right to the book. Yeah, but he, but, you know, in the book, there were some crucial things that he changed because in the book, you don't know if it's the devil or not, like, or Satan, Doing the rape? Yeah. It's left left ambiguous, so while you're reading it, you're kind of with her. Whereas in the movie, you've seen it, and you see the eyes, and so you know what it is, and you're just in horror of like, oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And also, um, most of the dialogue is taken directly from the book, except when the baby is born. It's like there's dialogue about the tail and the horns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he cut that out because it was like that. What I read said that like sometimes like lines are too silly and even the best actor can't pull them off. 
Yeah. But didn't the Rosie O'Donnell, Kathy Bates character say something about, did you see his hands and feet? Yeah, she said something about like yeah. that. And you're just like, eesh. Didn't mention horns or a tail at the time. No. So, there you have it. There you have it. Well, friends who ask for a horror movie, I hope you're happy. And it continues. With, I'm scared. I am too a little bit, because this one is, this one I've heard is kind of freaky. Okay. 1980. That's the year you were born. Indeed. If I give you a line of dialogue, you think you can guess what it is? You can try. Ah, what if I even get the, I might, <laughs> it'll be funny if I get the name wrong. Here's Johnny. <gasps> no, no, this is really scary. Oh my God. It's, it's Jack Nicholson in, in. The Shining. The Shining. This is one freaky film. I saw it. I, I, I think I've seen parts of it. Isn't it Stanley Kubrick though? I think so. So I'm like, well. And that weird looking girl. I know. Oh my God. He goes crazy up in Maine or something because he's a writer. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it during daytime. I don't know when we're recording this next podcast. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I just kept seeing in like um seeing it referenced during the week. The shining, the shining. Yes. And, I, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll pick the shining. Okay. You asked for it, listeners, you get it. Yeah. So you better tell people about this. That's right. We expect our we expect our listeners to really jump this next week. Yeah. A lot, because they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm scared. I think it's, I think also because it's streaming. It's going to be streaming on somewhere, maybe. Oh, I think bet. it might be streaming on Netflix this month. Probably. Maybe I saw that, and I was like, oh, The Shining. Because then I was like, I could start watching it during the day. Yeah, because it's 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 a it's a dude who goes crazy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well okay, we'll be back next week. <laughs> bye bye. bye. <laughs>